All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. What's going on, good people of the internet? It is time for OnComicsGrounds.com's flagship podcast, Panel to Panel, where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. We are back once again, once again, talking about all that comic book and nerdy news that you have grown to love us for. We are getting right into it. Like, honestly, this is one of those weeks where we just had a lot of news, and we were like, you know what? Let's go back to how we used to do it, and have a good old news roundup. We'll have a couple of spotlight things in the next few weeks after we get a couple of books read. Um, I know Travis and I have been planning a Sam Wilson Captain America coverage for a hot minute, uh, so that'll probably be towards the end of um, Falcon and Winter Soldier because of what's going to be coming, which is kind of obvious that it's coming, but we'll get to that. Um, So that'll be in a few weeks. Um, Don't forget that you can follow this podcast on Twitter and, uh, actually just Twitter, uh, at PTP underscore podcast. I was thinking about Blur Guns. Um, You can also follow... The website on Comics Ground on Twitter and Instagram at on Comics Ground, and you can check out the website on dash comics groundcom for all the latest reviews, previews, solicitations. Come check us out. Join us if you want to submit an application. We are loving trying to get more diverse people into the comic book review scene. So come and holla at us. Um, is there anything else I'm missing? No, I don't think so. Um, you can also follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Pandora, um, Amazon Music, and, and Audible, which I, I love that we're all on Audible, because I can flip between the podcast and, like, a, like a Star Wars book. It's so nice. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that, there's a couple other places, like, small places that people use during podcast apps, so check us out there. Help, help boost the show and share it, review it, whatever you want to do. Check it out. Um, my name is James Portis. Uh, to my left, we have the man who is currently um deep conditioning his daughter's hair. We're also gonna have be very opinionated about Kong and uh, Godzilla duking it out later. We have Travis Tucker. How you doing today? I'm uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, uh, just putting in the the Shea Moisture stuff to help her out, and then I'm gonna start getting her shit braided. Well, the joys, well, I also the joys of being a mixed child. Right. Well, I also steal her Easter Kit Kats. So <laughs> nice. Um, then t- to my right, we have the woman who hibernates during the day and comes out during the night to educate people on the greatness of comic books. 
who you could also check out her, her our previous episode where she had a nice talk about the runaways with Kamaguno. So definitely check that out. We have Mary. How you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. I am drowning in you know those little flippy mood octopus plushies. Yes. We have we ended up with five of them. Five of them. Victoria found a deal, and you know because they're fifteen to thirty bucks a pop. Victoria uh-huh. found a deal where it was four for thirty, but if you bought four of them, you got one free. So we got five of them. And how's that going for your guys' communication skills? Actually, it works really well because she wow. has one on her table. I have one on my table. She has one on her desk. We think she's going to take one to the office, and then we have the period octopus, which is, you know, to communicate our PMS symptoms. That's great. I love that. I just love, like, like I keep seeing the TikTok videos of people using them to communicate, and it just cracks me the fuck up. Oh, no, um, they're great, because you can just flip the octopus. You don't have to explain. It's just like, nope, don't talk to me. <laughs> um, all right, these- so, oh, go ahead. I said I was also about these stupid little foam batarangs that are like for like a kid's costume, and I'm gonna try and make a silicone mold out of it. Nice. I love that you're doing those now. Like I, I want to like start making like super cool stuff out of them. I want to start sending you some ideas. Oh yeah, because I'm just uh, doing the pouring silicone at some point. Victoria and I are talking about a 3D printer, but those are a big investment. Ooh yeah, that'd be dope though. I mean, because. I have that mold that's the uh, Avatar The Last Airbender sigils, and I have a line of people out the door who want some. Wow. I figured Sweet. out how to make them into magnets. Oh, snap. That's awesome. I also made a Mjolnir magnet, too. That's, that's really fucking cool. I want one of those now. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. I took some Bro- anxiety medication earlier, and it makes me ramble. You have no reason to apologize. Um, we are going to go ahead and dive into this. Um, so the first thing we have on the docket is that Marvel Comics, that's a great way to start a sentence, Marvel Comics has, has decided to finally uh, follow in DC's footsteps and break the chain that is Diamond Distribution <laughs> and move over to Penguin Random House Publishing Services for all of their uh, single issues, for their uh, graphic novels, for their trade collections. Everything is going to be going through a, a penguin now. Um, I think it was what, what was the one thing that isn't it was like the, the toys, maybe or something like something, the statues, something. There was one thing that, like, talking about that wasn't being done by penguin, but everything that that seems like the coverage would be necessary is like because you got graphic novels, trade collections, and back in comic books and newly published. That That's everything, that's the entire direct market. Am I correct in saying that? Can you repeat that? You kind of broke up on my end. Um, so, like, um, Penguin is covering newly published backlist comics, trade collections, and graphic novels, all for like as as the new direct market instead of, instead of diamonds is like that's everything, right? They're like, is is Penguin covering everything, or is there something that that people were talking about that I missed? I think it's still up in the air right now. Because completely severing from Diamond would take a lot of time. Because it's not just... Because, I mean, you know, Diamond, they get the shit about a week early or so. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's anywhere from a week to... 
you know, back issue trade in the warehouses. So it would take time to fully detangle themselves from Diamond. Interesting. So I don't know if it's going to be like a DC thing where they split distribution or um, if, you know, they're going to keep the floppies with Diamond and just move the graphic novels and trades over to Penguin House. But Oh, no, like it literally says not... all the floppies are going to. Like floppies, trades, graphic novels, everything is going through Penguin. I don't know then, because that might create issues with the shops, because um, if you have a Diamond contract, you can't sell books that aren't through Diamond. Yeah. That's going to cause a lot of issues. Well, like, how has the the Lunar deal going with with DC then? It's split distribution. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I think DC and Diamond kind of worked out a truce a little bit. Because, I mean, the okay. intricacies of the deal, they're, they're confusing and arbitrary, and I would have to sit down with people from my old job that I don't want to sit down with. Okay. I'm trying to, like, I'm looking at... So it looks as if Diamond is, like, like trying to de- do a thing where they also offer stuff, like, that they're working with Penguin, it looks like, possibly? Like, they're cutting a deal with Penguin, that way they can still do stuff with the books. Well, yeah, because the big two are the backbone of Diamond. Yeah, so that's why it's concerning. Well, particularly with Marvel's variant game. Yeah. So, because if you strip out the variants, Marvel's sales figures probably look more like DC's. Yeah. And, like, what's been crazy is the fact that until DC made the move to, to like, not be exclusive with Diamond anymore, that Diamond was all we freaking knew. We've talked about it before, that Diamond mm-hmm. has been one of the most American-allowed monopolies in the country, that we, like, like every, like every lobbyist in the comic industry, after everything that happened in the 90s, was just like, no, dude, literally, like, you cannot mess with this. The entire industry will crumble if you mess with this. So for Marvel and DC to make these moves is very insane. Yeah. Because I've read the court paperwork for the Diamond investigation, like, the paperwork that we have. I didn't do a FOIA, I didn't do a Freedom of Information Act request to see if there was anything else, but... I read what was available and, you know, they ruled that, yes, Diamond is a monopoly in the comic book industry. But since Diamond doesn't hold a monopoly over book publication as a whole, then it does not constitute a, you know, wide monopoly. So Diamond got out on a tech. Diamond got out on a technicality, and this yeah. is in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, when comic books weren't a huge, you know, billion dollar franchise. Yeah, and like what was crazy no. before was that you had Marvel at one distributor, DC, Dark Horse, what have you, at different at different publishers, and then slowly but surely there was the incident where Marvel tried to buy their own distributor, mm-hmm. and that went down in freaking flames, literally. <laughs> so, Marvel made a they, lot of very poor business decisions from the late eighties to the early two thousands. Like tra- Travis, when I when I tell you the building literally went down in flames. That they, they, they didn't put in a proper like the extent like like uh, safety system for when the building would overheat from everybody calling like everything caught fire because of it. 
there was no ventilation because of phone, because of phone calls yeah L- like literally the whole building set on fire because the phones were overloaded in the 90s that sounds like they deserve to get burnt down I'll be honest with you and that probably sounds terrible for that but like you didn't insulate for phone calls nah you losing this <laughs> so like that's how slowly marvel and dc and everybody ended up under diamond and then diamond started being like yo if any comic shop tries to go to a different uh, publisher that's gonna be like no you, you don't get our books then and from after reading the letter that um steve, steve yeppy put out to the entirety of the comic book industry it looks as if Diamond is going to purchase the books from Random House. That way, they technically still offer them to the, to the comic book shops. Because it and says Diamond, um, oh, Diamond also started to eat little distributors because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they would just come and it would chomp them up and kind of fold, you know bring them into the folder. They would collapse entirely. Not unlike what DC did in the late '40s and early '50s when they started buying up all the little comic companies. Yeah. So it's just it's real it's 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 a healthy change, but it's also like I'm worried of what's gonna happen to the smaller publishers that are remaining under diamond. Like it was a big thing to finally be a publisher that got a diamond contract. Now it's like Yeah, if Diamond's not the top dog anymore because other other like the the big two are going elsewhere, what's gonna happen to the industry? Wouldn't that force healthy competition among the current distributors that are still there but hurting because of Diamond? Not not really, no. Mm-hmm. Because the indie distributors that we have right now cannot distribute any books that are Diamond books. So it, it's a lot of, you know, alternative, very underground stuff. I mean, and, you know, it's not even stuff that we're going to see very often because it's not Diamond stuff. A lot of it is regional and you kind of have to Mm -hmm. know somebody who knows somebody. And the problem is, is that this this is going to hit smaller companies in general because mm -hmm. there's been an epidemic of, yes, they're going through a publisher, but they have to crowdfund the book themselves. Image does not. Let's just use image as an example. Image does not pay for the book image will print the book and then they'll slap their logo on it but promotion uh paying artists paying writers yada yada that's all on you image just puts their stamp on it and sends it out to diamond so i i mean i know alterna for what they're worth they operate on the same thing so we're seeing a lot of books through publishers that are being crowdfunded so i mean you know some of these books are barely hanging on as it is that's why and you saw Excellence start- be crowdfunded as, as like, the hardcover, like, Omnibuy mm-hmm. was literally put out as a Kickstarter book because Image wasn't going to help them put it out like that. Yeah. So, no, like, those little ads in the certain books and the little plastic circulars, you'll see it, your, your LCS, those are paid for by the creative teams. Mm-hmm. That's fucking rough. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I love when we yeah, get to educate travel about things. Like, a lot of these smaller publishers uh, act like this. I mean, really, the only ones that I know of that have any kind of corporate funding are DC, Marvel, and Dark Horse. Mm. Maybe Dynamite? I'm not sure. I think I've seen some Dynamite stuff that's crowdfunded, and they're also um, bringing in artists 
to do variant covers for specific books. Um, you know, Ethan Van Skyver has been doing that a lot. Gross. So um. it, it is, it's a slippery slope. And I think theoretically, I, I think on paper, this is a good move, but in practice, I think this is going to be very messy. Like, because we're, we're already hurtling towards another collapse because the speculator market has gotten out of control again. Mm-hmm. You are absolutely correct. And so I'm surprised that we haven't seen the collapse already because especially in the early 2010s or the late 2010s, we saw how bad the varying game was getting, especially when, when um, DC Rebirth was happening. That was when I thought the bubble was going to burst then, was when you had DC Rebirth causing varying issues. The biggest issue we saw was when U.S. Avengers was was, was happening, and the massive 50 states and plus... 55 covers. 55. 55 covers. Like, that was the 65. sign for me. 65? Oh, jeez, that was even worse. 65 um, covers. So it just, it makes me think that that should have been when the bubble happened. But then it just slowly deflated and bought the industry a little bit more time, especially when AT&T finally rolled in and then just sort of slowly calmed down. But now you see them moving away from Diamond. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm actually concerned of what's happening because you have DC that literally doesn't know what the heck it's doing when it comes to certain books. Um, you know, like some things look great. Some things look awesome. Most but books. then it's like most, most books, most books. Let's I, I think we're going to see DC moving harder into digital. Yeah, and I think that. Marvel's going to Marvel's going to try and futz around with their physical publishing because they have to physically publish if they still want to boost their sales with these variants. DC mm-hmm. doesn't really do variants. They'll do cover A and cover B, but I think honestly the last big thing that they had a shit bucket of variants for was probably convergence. And that's convergence number zero. Because yeah. I remember there was like a there was like a one in two hundred Adam Hughes incentive variant with Catwoman. Like DC Rebirth had a bit of a variant issue in store exclusives, but even that, like half of them were fucking returnable. So it made it easy for people to just be like, yo, take it back. So there's those small things that we talk about the industry and it kind of is boring for some people, but it does have ramifications for the entirety of comic books. Like, yes, these are, these are IP farms that we can enjoy later on, but if DC is a mess when it comes to its stories and doesn't know what what it's doing in terms of a, a full scale universe, you have Marvel that's just trying to skate by and let Jason Aaron own the joint, which as I don't know about that one, chief. Um, it just, I don't want to give. I'm I'm not about to give DC the benefit of the doubt though, because I'm gonna be honest. Like since I've been reading comics my whole life, DC has not known what the fuck they're doing as far as a singular continuity is concerned. See, that's <laughs> where you're wrong, Travis. This is where you're wrong because up until New Fifty Two, we at least knew what the fuck was up and what the fuck was down. Now, Are you trying to tell me they didn't hire Jeff Johns to reset button the whole motherfucking thing twice? <laughs> Correct, but at least you could say before the new 52, shit was fine. Like, yeah, you had your crisis occasionally and things were a little weird then, but at least you could say DC as a whole had a functioning continuity. New 52 rolled around, you didn't know what was canon, what was not canon. Now you got um, DC, now you had DC Rebirth going. Some of it might be canon. Whatever you enjoyed, that might be canon. And now this new Infinite Frontier thing's like, yo, everything's canon. I'm like, the fuck it's not? 
What? No. I think, huh? it's, I think it's I think it's because they played around with the multiverse a little too much. And, you know, people like specific stories and they don't really want it because um my big thing with the new 52 is that um it made the weekly series 52 uh non-canon. Yep. And I I love that series, and it had, you know, massive ramifications for the rest of the DC universe, and it was just gone. And so they give Batwoman a solo book, and everything in 52 has been retconned. So, Bullshit. like... And so it didn't really make sense, because they're still holding some of these characters to their pre-new 52 continuities, but those mm. continuities are no longer canon. So what do you do with that? And I think that's why hard resets like the new 52 are not good ideas. See, with, cri- my- with, with Crisis on Infinite Earths, it worked a little better because that was bringing, that was cherry picking to bring them all into the singular universe. Yeah. But see, my biggest well, thing same was... Hand, in the middle of that, Infinite Crisis was kind of a, a meh jumpstart to everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Super fucking meh. Like, it was like, everything's the same, but it's not. And all these other things you like don't exist anymore. Okay. But, but see, like, that's more so with New 52, because with New 52, it was like, yo, like the first few months, you didn't know what was canon. The best case you can look to is Red Hood and the Outlaws. You had fucking Roy sitting there on the beach trying to be like, yo, do you remember Dick? Do you remember Cyborg? And, and Corey's like, bitch, I don't know who the fuck you're talking about. And that that was, like, there was so not communication when it comes to New 52, where if you're gonna do a reboot, you have to make it stick. Start from r- round one. Don't let like don't let Jason be there. Don't let Tim be there. Don't let Damien be there. Don't let anybody. Don't let any of the fucking sidekicks be there. Because and here's what I've been able to quantify. And I know people are gonna think I'm a nut because I'm, I'm a Teen Titans freakazoid. But and, I, and don't get me started on Titans Academy. I'm gonna have words about that a different day. But like if you look at the whole the whole entirety of the DC universe everything is co- is quantifiable of where you fucked up by the teen titans the minute you fucked up that the, the, the kids the whole universe was fucked up right there the whole universe was was horrible cuz you have dick over here never being a titan doesn't know what the fuck he's doing doesn't know wally doesn't know bart I mean, doesn't know uh tempest doesn't know donna doesn't know roy like like roy's best friends with jason todd now which annoys the god out of me um like like everything just is there and roy has a trucker hat which pisses off half the fandom but it makes me crack the fuck up like everything's just backwards and you can look like, like at the, 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 the everything in the teen titans and know that your you, your reboot fucked up you should have said yo dick grayson you're a child again you don't get to wear blue and black you are a child again we will bring jason and tim and damien or we're gonna erase damien from history because god, god we love grant morrison but they made a mistake with that one but like in general you could reboot the entire universe from scratch and be the ultimate universe because that's what they pitched the new 52 as was being their version of the ultimate universe and having a hardcore reboot they fucked it up by not starting from the beginning like the ultimate universe did (laughs) they fucked it up by launching 52 books i mean that too but uh, because i mean a lot of those books didn't make it past six to twelve issues Mm -hmm. and that's where it kind of became difficult. And, you know, I appreciate the endeavor that, you know, Katana got a book, Static got a book. So, like, these were ambitious endeavors, but when they're dropping off at 6 and 12 issues, I feel like that kind of hobbles your initiative already. Exactly. 
Because, I mean, so, how many people actually remember that Katana got a new 52 solo? Honestly, I, I didn't even know that. I, th- I, I knew, like, Blackhawks was a thing, like Firestorm Bingo. was a thing. I, I, I know that Katana was on the Birds of Prey launch title for New 52. I know she did a solo book. I Secret Six did, too. It was, like, a really weird, hollow version Se- of Simone Six. Secret Six came towards the very end of the New 52, right before the DCU change. And DCU wasn't a reset, but it, you know, they injected a few books to try and kind of start to alter things a bit. Because they were like definitely trying to Marvel rebrand kind of thing. A little bit, because you know, you had certain books like Gotham Academy that was trying to appeal to young adults, and Gotham Academy was a charming book. It was. Uh, we are Robin. We are Robin was another great book until Robin War fucked that up. <laughs> it, it's like look at this everybody can be robin we can all you know help and fight together and then all of the robins show up and goes guys we're the only robins shut the fuck up it was so dumb and then lincoln march showed back up and made it worse <laughs> and so, then uh you had black canary and midnighter and it was very well, it was both young adult friendly and very gritty at the same time yes very much so so it's very much like DC's a whole bag of worms right now that that doesn't make sense continuity wise. Um, Marvel is just literally let, letting Jason Aaron run the show for the next seven months, and I'm not a fan. And they keep dealing with delays and delays and delays on things. Like we're still waiting for Tony Coates' Black Panther to end. There's one more issue, and then it ends. And we're we're like one or two more issues, and the next issue just got delayed again after an amazing like every black person in the Marvel universe shows up. And it just, like, now we're delayed again. I'm like, why? So it's just... I think Jason Aaron's is thinking... Go ahead. No, no, I was done. I was grunting. (laughs) I was going to say, I think Jason Jason Aaron's is thinking too much like Jeff Johns. Yes. Yes. Which, you know, fuck Jeff Johns. But, um... I think because that that was always a big problem with Johns publication-wise is that he wanted to do everything at once. And, you know, honestly, when it comes to Avengers events and X-Men events, you have to pick one or the other. You can't run both mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And now friggin', um, and, what, what should we call it? Hickman's, uh, X-Men's, like, running on, all, like, on all cylinders, but, like, not at all. And there's a million and one yeah. side books. And it's like, what's going on? From what I've noticed, the people that are still reading, you know, Age of X, Dawn of X, you know, Amoeba of X, whatever the fuck they're calling it, (laughs) um, are the hardcore X-Men fans or people who have really missed the X-Men. Because it wasn't exactly a reader-friendly jumping on point. It was not. And, um... (laughs) And so I haven't really seen a lot of, like, new X-Men readers come in, uh, but the ones I have seen have gone back and started, you know, in the 70s, 80s, or 90s to try and play catch-up a little bit. But when it comes to the X-Men, there's a lot of catch-up. Honestly, so. if, you re- if you really want a good, like, if you want a good starting point for the X-Men, and this is going to sound really weird, just start from, like, 
warehouse of them just sort of blows everything up and pick up from there. That's the best place yeah. I can think of. Because, like, yeah, there's, like, a little bit of, like, discarding of the team in certain places, and some mutants are off in M-Town and being weird and shit. But, like, that's still the best place where the X-Men were at their peak and then just skip all of the Bendish shit because the Bendish shit, other than Cyclops was right, was horrible, and then move on to, like, um... Like Marvel Now and what no or Marvel Now was Bendis. But like everything out like I think it was like X-Men Gold and Blue is okay, even though I hate the time displaced kids. Like the, 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 there's I think we'll need to have an X-Men day at some point. I think we like we, we've already kind of touched on Laura. X-Men Red was probably the hands down the best X book before all of this. Um in like that last five years. Mm-hmm. But, but I think the no, problem think... with X-Men Red was it was like, yo, you brought Jean back from the dead and gave her like the scraps of things that um, Guggenheim and whoever was writing Blue didn't want. And while T- Taylor wrote the fuck out of that book and made it amazing, it was still like he didn't have enough time. No, he didn't. But I don't that. like that the X-Men is becoming like a heterocentric sex cult at the moment. <laughs> Because it's the whole, make more mutants, and I'm like, that sounds creepy. It does sound kind of creepy, yeah. <laughs> okay, I mean, Karma so... and Northstar are going to sneak their way off the island. Like, we're not fucking doing this. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, so, we're going to swing back to DC, because now that we talked about the distributor stuff and went on a bit of a tangent, like we always do. Um, let's swing back to... So, DC announced this thing the other day that really had me angry. Um... Like, like, literally on April 1st, like, or so on, on the 31st, the day before April, they started this thing where they're going to have, like, everybody brought pitches, like, different creators have brought pitches for books to the table. And some of them are really cool. Some of them are really dumb. And they're doing this sort of March Madness. Everybody gets to vote on what books continue down the tournament bracket and whatnot. And... It's 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 very strange. And like like and whatever book wins is the one that gets published. And not only from a reader standpoint, this sounds really jacked up that you're gonna make them decide what goes up, but also from the mindset of a creator, I feel really bad for a lot of them because only the the one who gets voted survives, despite some of these being really good pitches. And it kind of hurts. If anything, they should publish about 75% of this list and whichever one sells the best, the, the, that creative team gets to launch it as a series or get to make more books. Like, I don't get what the idea was behind this. And we'll explain some uh, like some of the titles in a second. But I just want to get, like, get like, like your guys' thoughts on this because I don't really... I'm not down with this. I think it's ultimately to boost engagement and get people talking. Because with, you know, certain books, they've created a lot of media buzz. Mm. So I don't think it's just going to be the book that wins. I think we're going to see the other pitches, the the, the ones popular, the ones that get people talking. I think we're going to see those kind of filter in a little bit. And that would be really cool. It just, the idea up front, it just sounds as if, like, all these other creative teams, all these other pitches are just down the drain once everything goes down. And it just, it kind of irks me on a certain level. Like, 
especially so let's run like let's, let's run down the list because i know Tra- I, I told travis a little bit about it before the show started but i want to go down the list of pitches i'm gonna like sort of summarize each one a little bit so the first one is green lanterns underworld on fire um it's very uh much centered on a, a deadly outfit of space outlaws or raising the intergalactic underworld sector by sector under the command of disruptive new kingpin in search of the ancient payday worth becoming the target of every power play in the galaxy including sinestro green lanterns kyle rayner and kilowog are put on a case but will kyle be able to do this one by the book when he finds out who's behind it all that just sounds like a random, like, New 52 or just normal DC miniseries that anybody could have put out. Not that good. Um, so, apparently, like, the, the next one is, like, Edda Candy is going to be, like, having a holiday, spe- like, like special. And holiday up- Girls. <laughs> In the Golden Age, Edda Candy had um, a group of sorority girls that she would hang out with. They were called the Holiday Girls. And they were Wonder Woman's sorority girl sidekicks. That's really cool. So anything related to Etta Candy and Holiday is a reference to the Holiday Girls. But so yeah, it seems like that might be like fully referencing that because the entire pitch is like um, even like joins forces with Amanda, Wonder Woman Amanda Waller and her Beetle uh, Lambda sorority like uh, sisters to create Holiday Hero Inc. So it sounds like. It could be a really cool pitch, but it sounds like a one shot. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a one shot they could have just put out instead of like making this be on the vote tally. Um, Ambush Bug is getting a mini series like he's Deadpool, where he teams up with different people from the multiverse. Which Ambush okay, cool. Bug is Ambush Bug is the original Deadpool. Yes, Deadpool Facts. is not doing anything. Deadpool is not doing anything that Ambush Bug didn't do first. That's fair. <laughs> Everyone asks, like, Deadpool's the OG, and it's like, nah, fam. Yep, ambush Bug was here first. Like, there's that great, um, bra- like, Batman Brave in the Pold- Bold episode where Ambush Bug just, like, embodies everything he's supposed to, and everyone's like, no, that's just, he's doing Deadpool. I'm like, the fuck, he's not. Um, Zatanna and the King of Nightmares, which, like, D- Zatanna should just have a solo book, period. Why are you making it something to be voted on? I just... It's like a really cool thing where she's fighting the King of Nightmares and has to confront her worst fears. That sounds really fucking cool. Um, Lobo and Animal Man like working together to uh, to complete a what? Lobo contract. Say that um, one more time. I Lobo, need to one more time. Lobo and Animal Man. Oh. Oh. I think that would have worked <laughs> in the nineties. Yes. <sighs> I mean, yes and no. <laughs> Because, like, Lobo is an animal, and that would come up in the corniest fucking way. And I feel like there's... Oh, God, this is so bad. Sorry, you fucking short-circuited me with that one. Um, The next one, this sounds like it, it should just be a teen, like, like, over the teen department, which is Son of the Creeper, which the, apparently the Creeper has a kid now. Um, that that should just be a fucking DC gra- like like young adult graphic novel like 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 the Raven book or um the Aqualad book. You don't need to like have this be voted on. The one that I want, and I'm I'm, I'm gonna cut down the line, like to, to talk about the issue at hand. So, Travis, I'm going to explain two pitches to you, and I want you to tell me which one makes more sense and is more needed right now. Okay. Okay, hit me. Okay, so 
a Justice League made out of oh, every Lord. made out of every LGBTQ character in the entire DC universe, or teens. Oh, it's the teen it's the teen queer heroes. I apologize. So it's it's all of the the the, the, the teen queer heroes, and or a book about Dick Grayson teaming up with every Robin that's that's ever or every person that's ever been a Robin. What? It's either a a Justice League made out of all the the the, the young LGBT heroes in in the, in the DC universe called Justice League Queer, or a book about Dick Grayson teaming up with all the other Robins for a random mission. Um. <clears throat> um. I'm gonna be honest with you. I need Justice League Queer, but. I feel like it could just, you know, be Justice League with all queer characters. But for the other book, I've haven't we read that book like fucking yes! eight times? Yes, and in fact, when COVID started, they had a DC digital first book where where Dick, Tim, Jason, Damian, and Stephanie all teamed up together, even with Tim when he was wearing the stupid duck costume, all teamed up in a book together and were, did a mission. Quack. And yet and we're doing this again. <laughs> we're doing this as a fucking book against the like what people would want, especially when DC just announced they're doing a giant LGBTQ pride anthology. And you're telling me the Justice League queer book wasn't immediately greenlit? The fuck? Like, granted, hey, you know me. I'm a Teen Titans fan. I'm a diehard Robin fan. And when I'm the one saying we don't need another Robin book, and yet everybody on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook in the voting the past couple days is literally voting for the Robin book, I'm fucking pissed! <laughs> and I think that's kind of the big problem with a voting you know, system like this, is that, you know... Books that have more diverse character lineups, when left to the readership, it's not gonna, you know, they're not gonna get tapped. Because um, I'm sure if they proposed a Justice League book with all of the black heroes in the DC universe, I imagine it would be in the same boat. Where, oh, probably! So, but like that's the problem with introducing diverse media and diverse characters is that people want to see them, but you know, they want, you know, I want a Robin book first, kind of a thing. And then you have the people yelling and shrieking that, you know, keep politics out of comics, kind of a thing, because being mm. gay is inherently political. Oh, you, mean, you mean the people who just don't fucking read comics? It's the people who remember the, D, the, the, the DC they remember from the 90s where like the only black people they heard about was Jon Stewart and Black Lightning and they don't want to hear about anything else. Half of them had black in their title. The fuck? We'll talk, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah. See, but it's like my, my big fucking problem with that is it feels like a corporate cop out. Because when they get pressure, DC can now be like, hey, we had you guys vote and you guys wanted more of the same fucking bullshit. It's like no, 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 no! Stop! No, please! Just we need you to be the parent in the room and be like, "This is what the fuck you're reading." You know what I mean? I think. Oh, I, go ahead, I think that. Sorry, I'm eating my leftover chips from Chipotle. But <laughs> I think that Justice League Queer JLQ is kind of what it's been abbreviated to. First of all, I really don't like the name. 
No, I'm, I'm just like if you want to call it. it if you want to call it JLQ, I think that's better than Justice League queer. Just call but... it Justice League Pride. Like, st- like, 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 cut Joe Glass's check. Give him the fucking credit he's due. Hell, make Joe Glass write it because he's the one who patented the idea of a Justice League of of queer people, and just have him fucking write it and call it Justice League Pride. But I think the book will surface in some form because and. Oh, this is going to be painful to say. Um, DC has always been very pushy with LGBT characters when they actually use them. That is the stipulation here. And I've talked a bit at length about, you know, DC's quality versus Marvel's quantity kind of a thing. But when DC uses an LGBTQ character, they're using it for a very specific reason. And, you know, they have made decisions that haven't really been super popular outside of you know your standard comic you know specific region specific areas of the comic book fandom uh dc very famously partnered up with idw to publish love is love which you know they authorized the use of their characters i mean you have batman superman wonder woman in this book you know in, in a charity book that's raising money for equality florida which you know, was helping set up foundations and funds and whatnot for survivors of the Pulse shooting. And Pulse was a gay nightclub in Orlando. So, you know, DC authorized the use of their characters for that, and I remember there was backlash. But uh, Dan DiDio was the one who always really fought heavily for that. God, that hurts my soul. I want you to take a second and take that in. Just take it in, cry about Ugh. your life a little bit. But, uh-huh. but no, Dan DiDio was the one who really pushed for it. And in Love is Love, Dan DiDio wrote a two, three-page story um, about the major characters in the DC universe who are queer sitting in a bar talking. And Renee Montoya, Maggie Sawyer, they're, you know, chatting up a storm a little bit, you know, talking about their histories and where they've come from. And then Batwoman comes up and grabs Maggie to go dance. Midnight or an Apollo are dancing. And Renee Montoya is talking to Extraño. I don't speak Spanish. I apologize for my pronunciation. And Extraño rattles off every horrible thing that happened to him in publication because it was mm-hmm. not good. I've... I've talked about this in Seduction of the Innocent before, and I might actually have to sit you boys down, and we might have to do an episode about that. We can. But, you know, he was coded very, like, a gay Doctor Strange. It's like Doctor Strange and Liberace had a baby, and it is extraño. But, Whoa. you know, he, he, gets, he, he gets HIV from the Hemogoblin, like, and it's the, just... The what? The what? <laughs> the Hemogoblin. He is a vampire that was created. Travis, it gets worse. He is a vampire creature that was created by white supremacists and was infected with HIV. Excuse the fuck out of me, but who greenlit that? <laughs> um, early DC this, writers. This is uh, the early '80s. This was before um, the. Uh, uh, the Comic Code Authority was finally booted, finally uh, removed their stipulation on no gays. And, you know, I had read Millennium, you know, I'd read Millennium before several times and it always twisted my stomach until one time it was, uh, I was getting ready, I was going to do that episode of Seduction of the Innocent with Kai. And I stopped and I actually read the letters in the back of the book. 
And that completely shifted my opinion. Like, you know, these letters are from gay readers. You know, critiquing things, you know, people who are saying that they love the fact that they can see Extraño, and then you have others saying he shouldn't be this stereotyped, and others saying you should do it more like Maggie Sawyer. And they openly talk about him being gay in the letters, even the editors who are responding. The one guy who writes in going, you know, I'm more or less basically saying, hey, being gay is gross, why are you doing this? And the editor responded with a very polite, fuck you. Like... So that completely shifted my opinion. And so DC, for good or ill, has always tried to push an LGBTQ narrative when they're actually going to do it. There's When they do it well, they do it right, if that makes any sense. Yeah. They don't throw gay characters, and I'm using gay as an umbrella term here, they don't throw them around willy-nilly. Like, and that's the thing, And when DC balls up and does the really good stuff with queer characters, you have things like Minetta Apollo, you, you have things like John's making uh, Jackson Hyde gay, you have Batwoman, you have, like, and I, I have my opinions about Tom Taylor's Suicide Squad that will be discussed another day, but, like, that book is amazing and has queer characters in it, and all, hell, oh god, I hate this, I have to, I have to give... One of, my, one, of my, one of my most hated creators credit right now, and it hurts. Is it Lobdell? Yes! God hates Scott yeah. Lobdell. I hate him with all my heart, but the man he, created he, Bunker. He's created it, a lot of compelling LGBTQ characters. So, like, when it comes to Bunker and all these other characters, DC doesn't fuck around. So, like, when I see them going, yo, the queer book is the one that is up on the vote against the Robin book. You could have went like, yo, there's a couple other books I didn't talk about on the list. There's things like um, Suicide Squad 7, which is hardly leading a Suicide Squad book, which we've, we've already seen that. There's um, House of Secrets, which is like um, friggin' Damien and a couple other people, and, like, other people, like, you know, it's a Swamp Thing book. It's like, like, there's a Swamp Thing book, there's an Asteria book, which, Asteria, the last Amazon sounds kind of freaking dope, I'm not gonna lie about that. Um, that's dope those, as hell. Those, yeah, that's dope as fuck. But, like, you have Blue Beetle Graduation Day, which is a retread of the Reach coming back to duke it out on Jaime the day he graduates from college, when we haven't seen a Jaime book since when DC Rebirth came out. And mm-hmm. you could you could have put that up against against the queer book. You could have had hell, fucking Jason, Jesse Quick is getting one of these voted books. Um, they you could have put the pause off the Justin, which is the pet thing. They shouldn't have put it as a versus thing at all. And so I just, think this is exactly. I, I think this is the big problem with comic book readers. And this is where I actually start to lose my patience a little bit. Is that. You know, you have a lot of readers who bitch and moan and scream and whine and cry about wanting more diverse characters and more diverse books. And when those books are coming out or being pitched or whatever, it's goddamn radio silence. Yep. Or when these books are coming out, they don't fucking buy them. They'll go to, you know, read comics online or whatever and pirate them. 
Or like and, go buy the digital, which the digital isn't as important as the pre-order. You need to pre-order these books. We talked about this. You need to pre-order these books. That's why for so long you see books like 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 the, the, we bring, we come back to this all the time. Black Panther and the Crew was canceled before the first issue came out because nobody pre-ordered it. Because I mean, Black Panther and the Crew was canceled and pre-ordered, and so was Angela, Queen of Hell. So mm-hmm. you have a you have a queer-led book and a black-led book. You know, that were both canceled in pre-order. And, you know, and it's it's frustrating because I have seen um, people, you know, I'm I'm very active on comic book social media, Reddit, Twitter, uh, Tumblr, shit like that. And I've seen people screaming and crying about wanting these diverse books. And when the books are there, they don't fucking touch them. Yep. Like, and like, it just, it drives me insane. And as shitty as they can be with excluding LGBTQ characters, I think DC does a very good job at letting them be people. Yeah. Whereas my issue, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna miss an opportunity to shit on Marvel's gay sidekick stereotype. Um, Ooh, it, get it. They're just they're sidekicks, you know. They're side characters. I mean, you have one in Miss Marvel. You have one in uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's Captain Marvel. She's an older uh, friend. She's friends with an older woman who's a lesbian. You know, we're talking bestie sidekick, um, Patsy Walker. West Coast Avengers. Uh, West Coast Avengers. They downgraded America fucking Chavez mm-hmm. as which is gay- a fucking legitimate crime. <laughs> America Chavez is one and of the most this- powerful people in the Marvel universe. <laughs> And this, I'm I'm gonna say it. I, I genuinely try to stay away from this because she's an incredibly talented writer who weaves incredible stories, and I'm a big fan. I do not like the way Kelly Thompson writes gay people. I don't. I, I think okay. there's something very flat and two dimensional about it, to the point where I'm just kind of like, do you know gay people in real life? And but like, you know, because we, we're, they're always we're not bitching because we don't care. That's not, I want to I want to conv- like like uh, convey that we are not trying to like gatekeep or tell you don't 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 want this stuff. We're telling you if you give a crap, support it. Like if you want to say on Twitter, "Yo, I want this black book." Why do you think there's people like me who literally write articles saying we need more black books? We like why was Sam like Sam Wilson Falcon canceled? Oh, well, I don't want to I don't want a Sam Wilson book. I don't like Sam Wilson. Well, then tough fucking noodles, bitch. We need to support this that way we can get to the next black book. Why do Riri Williams hasn't had a book in months and no one cares? Like <laughs> Ugh, I'm, uh, I ran too much for my own good. I'm sorry. It's because when it boils down to it, comic book fans want the same thing. There was a there's a mutual I have on Twitter, and he said something a while back. He said comic fans don't want anything that's new. Comic fans want books they remember when they were kids. Ooh. And that and that cut deep. And he was not wrong when he said that. Yeah, and you know, I even I even find myself doing it because I compare almost every Superman thing to ninety Superman, so I do it too. But it's just it's frustrating because I'm tired of seeing people, you know, bashing Marvel, bashing DC, going where the where's you know insert rep here, and it's like they've tried and you didn't fucking buy it. Like mm. bombshells should not be a bizarre financial outlier. Like. You know, you. Uh, that's, that's a fucking yes. Yes. 
She just hit the and nail I, on the motherfucking head. I, I know I bring a lot of stuff back to bombshells, but I think when it comes to queer narrative books, and unfortunately it is almost exclusively sapphic women, but I think that's the book that we need to look at from the big two. Like, I know it's exclusively sapphic women, almost exclusively sapphic women. Um, you know, Marguerite Bennett is a sapphic woman herself. So, and like, I have done a tally. There is more, there are more queer characters than straight characters. I mean, you know, they, there is references to Black Canary being trans. Uh, Alicia Yo is in the book. And I remember one interaction on Twitter where somebody asked Marguerite Bennett if Alicia Yo was still trans or if she was cis because it was the 40s. And Marguerite Bennett responded and went, nah, fuck history times. And three, four months later, we have a panel where Alicia Yo is explaining why, she, you know, how she trans to Tim fucking Drake. And he's like, that's dope. So, like, yeah. you know, you're taking in the response from your audience. And it was a fan favorite book. And it's a fucking outlier. Nobody can explain. First, I just finished the first year and it's fucking amazing. Nobody can explain the success of Bombshell. I can't explain it. Like, but a book like this should not be a monolith. You know, I, I'm sorry. I'm getting very angry because I am so goddamn sick and tired of seeing people wanting diverse books, diverse creators on these books, you know, emphasis of characters, creation of new characters. And when they try, they don't fucking buy the book. Let's and go. Some of them, and like, you know, I, I know that you know, ta taste is subjective. So, I mean, like, I know that, you know, there were a lot of people that didn't like Naomi and you know what? That's fine. I think, you know, my personal opinions about Naomi is I think Ben just wanted to do Riri a little better. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's literally right, Travis. She's, if you read Naomi, it reads like Bendis wanted to cut himself another check, but he got somebody to actually proofread his shit. That's what yeah. Naomi reads like. He got David F. Walker to come in and proofread his shit. Which, that's a good thing. Good on you for being a smart white person. Now, what I'm not proud of you for, Bendis, is spending the entire your entire first issue of Justice League going, having all the white members of the Justice League going, hey, we should probably get some more non-white people in here. And then someone going, hey, well, actually the robot, the robot sidekick goes, hey, look at this black girl over here who happens to be named after the guy who said we, we shouldn't have an all-white Justice League. It's like... Really, Bendis, you a little on the nail on the head there, buddy. You, you good? So no, Bendis, like Bendis is about as subtle as a goddamn train horn. Yeah. So and no, it, I'll go ahead. Sorry, I, I, I made myself so angry. Honestly, <laughs> if you wouldn't have, I was about to go off. So I'm glad you did, because like I'm just, it bothers me, and with like. And God bless, like, like God bless Clark Bull. I love him for being such a champion for this book. But I, I feel like I'm just next to him on the sideline, going, "Is this ever gonna get published, or are we just gonna vote for it and, and the Robin book come out?" Or like uh, the, like it just, I, I, my heart breaks. For everything that I've seen of his professional work, Clark, he's a fighter, and I think he will push every button and pull every string. Because um, I had uh, an experience with him that um, after my whole Supergirl 
comic shop shenanigans. Um, I had brief correspondence with him, and he said, um, hey, we're going to send you a little something, whatever. Um, but I got a comic in the mail that I was not expecting. And it was a copy of Batwoman number one from Rebirth. And it was signed by James Tynan and Marguerite Bennett. And in the bottom left-hand corner, it's signed by Kyler Lee, who plays Alex on Supergirl. So she had come in to do like a live interview or whatever. And he shuffled over to her to get her to sign a book for me. And I have it framed and hanging up. So like this man is a fighter and I think that he will push every button and pull every string. And I can't imagine that editors, Andrea Shea and just Chen, I can't imagine that they're going to try and pass on this book either. Oh yeah. No, like, like it, it will come out in some form, but he even reassured me because my, 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 my reply tweet to him got a little bit of traction. He was like, yo, we're going to work our butts off to see if this book can come out. And I was like, yo bet. But it's just, it feels like the same thing we've been dealing with for so many years now, where, like, freaking Midnighter had a backup story in the Superman book. Midnighter, a character that has barely had any interaction with Superman ever, is getting backup stories in Superman books. That sounds more like you're trying to shelf your queer characters. Hell, fucking, um, the, the black Mr. Miracle was in that book, too. You shuffled him to the back. Granted, he, Shiloh Norman is getting a solo book miniseries, which is great, and we can forget about Scott Free and Tom King and move on, thank God. But, like, I, I, I need people to actually give a crap about diverse books. And I didn't expect us to go on this tangent for so long, so we probably not, we won't get to the entire docket, but I think it was needed because... It seems as if we champion, we work so hard on this podcast to show people, hey, diverse books matter. We literally have a, like, like two black people, two gay people, and a woman all sitting at this table trying to tell you, please support the comic book industry. We're not just like yelling for no reason. We care about y'all. We care about y'all being represented and us being represented. So we wouldn't yell if we didn't care. Ah, all right. Next thing on the docket. Black Widow. Does anybody care about the Black Widow trailer? <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> I didn't see it. It's honestly, I think the movie, like, I know people are excited and I'm excited that they're excited, but it's about six years too late. Um, And I think it's just to placate Scarlett Johansson. Like, the perfect time for a Black Widow movie was after um, Winter Soldier. Yeah, you're right. They could have, they could have beat DC to the punch. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have sucked all of the emotional air out of Wonder Woman. Uh, but they, they sat on their hands. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't care. I don't. Here's my big thing with it. I, I like... Say what you will, I mean, good, and people. Good for Florence Pugh, though. Good for her. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, good, good for her. I, like Florence Pugh has been killing it in the game lately. I want to see more of her do more movies. My, here's my big thing with the Black Widow movie. Joss Whedon did everything in his power to make Scarlett Johansson seem like a horrible character. I, I will be the first. She's one to a say monster it. because she Scarlett can't Johansson have a baby. He said Scarlett Johansson and now Black Widow, and I internally was like, yeah, Scarlett Johansson is the worst character. 
Like, which he is. He he literally like like Mary just put the nail on the head that they made her seem like a monster for for not being able to have children, and they compared that to the Hulk, and then they were like, okay, cool. Now we're not going to acknowledge this whole like Br- uh, Bruce and in um uh, Natasha thing ever again. And it was just like, what? So it, and then on top of that, you have the entire situation with ScarJo just being a garbage human in general, like. Hey, I can play Asian people and I can play trans people. No, no, you can't. Please stop. So it's just and that part of her. And on top of that, he, I don't think Black Widow is is somebody people are clamoring to to see on the screen or to be represented by. Because if that were the case, we wouldn't have had five different miniseries for the girl that were supposed to come out around the same time as the movie, but it kept getting delayed. So we saw four, three, two, one more freaking miniseries coming out, and now there's a, an ongoing written by Kelly Thompson to hold us over until the movie comes out. But it'll probably be canceled after that because no one's probably reading it. Like. If you look if you look at the facts, Natasha has always been a sidekick. She's always been part of um freaking Steve's roster. And she's a cool character sometimes, but they can't decide one minute if she's Russian or with one minute she's English. And it's frustrating. And like I if if you're gonna give me a freaking female superhero movie, like I may not like Carol that much, but I'll watch five more Captain Marvel movies before I'll watch a Black Widow movie because Scar Show isn't that compelling to me. I'm I sorry. Mean, <laughs> hold up, Cece, hold I, up. Give me a Monaco Rambo movie before I get a Scar Show movie. Uh, why you say that? <laughs> give me a Monaco Rambo movie before anything else. I mean, yes, but like. Literally anything else, to be honest with you. Like, give me Monica Rambeau. Give me Kate Bishop without Jeremy Renner in the room. Give me anything. Like, please. Yeah. Like, Haley Seinfeld's going to do great. Like, I just. I don't want Natasha Romanoff leading a movie. I just don't care. I think Scarlett Johansson, all stupidity aside, she's. She is very talented. She is a she's a good actress, and I think that's you know unfortunately her talent is undeniable. And yes. she plays she plays Black Widow with a lot of uh, conviction, emotional vulnerability, heart, and so Black Widow is performed well and characterized well, but she's terribly written. Yes, very much so. <laughs> She yeah. literally she she was the eye candy for like for because Winter Soldier she doesn't do anything but just be hot like she has some cool action scenes but she's just there to be a sidekick. Um, Avengers, oh, she she's just literally the Avengers fuck toy. Yeah, yeah. It's sad to I say mean, that rem- because we want more better women characters than that. Because uh, Victoria absolutely adored Winter Soldier. She loved that movie, and we were riding high on the fact that you know Black Widow. I- I don't think she was purely a sidekick in Winter Soldier. She did a lot of cool shit. She went public. She shook up S.H.I.E.L.D., the Marvel Universe, like the MCU. She shook it all up. And we were riding high off that until we saw an interview with the goddamn Russos where they talk about, oh, there was sexual tension between Black Widow and Cap, and it ruined the whole goddamn oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, and there was that whole, like, Apple Store thing where they had to kiss, and, like, that was part of that. They were trying to convey the idea, because they couldn't decide who Steve was supposed to be with, whether it was Peggy, whether it was Natasha, or whether it was Sharon. And it was very obvious that, that the Russos were told, yo, she, he's, he's kind of supposed to be with Sharon, but then it's like, hey, the fans want her to be with, want him to be with Peggy. So they just said, screw everything. But the biggest problem I have with, with Natasha is that 
they write her to just be either badass or just kind of trying to like unintentionally slut shame Scarlett Johansson. Like they forced her, they forced her on Bruce. They like like they they they, they like like gaslit her and made her a monster for for being infertile. Like then all of the rest of the movies, she's just there. And then you freaking um fridged her. You fridged her. Literally, there's no funeral for Black Widow. They have a perfectly good funeral for Tony, <laughs> but there's no funeral for for Natasha. Yeah, they had a massive funeral for Tony. They're like. Who, who's Natasha? You even <laughs> called the fucking the, the fucking stupid kid from Iron Man three, but then you st- you couldn't have a funeral for Natasha. Bro, they even linked they even linked Agents of fucking Shield. Think of that title for a second: Agents of Shield at Tony's wedding, and did not have Black Widow, who was an agent of Shield, <laughs> like a funeral for her. What what the fuck? Sorry, I said wedding at Tony for Tony's. Yeah, thing. it's fine. Backwards. Honestly, <laughs> I'm I'm getting angry again. <laughs> um, You're valid, Mary. The Hulk, the Hulk romance. Don't please don't don't use that line. <laughs> no, and it's just my biggest issue with the MCU, and I actually take a lot of heat from some women for this. That I don't think the MCU, particularly the Russos, know what to do with women, Ooh. and. You know, I, I have I have made my feelings about the uh the girl power scene in Endgame. I have made my feelings about that very clear. <laughs> somebody who I did a big Twitter thread deconstructing at one time and somebody who yells about BVS every other week quote tweeted it and said it's been a year, leave this movie alone and I'm like, You bitch about BVS every other week. See, all I have to say in regards to that is the boys did it better. <laughs> That's all yeah. I have to say. But I mean, like, you, you, look these, did it you look at these characters in the Marvel Universe, and they're one fucking note characters. Like, look at Gamora. For Gamora is very popular. Zoe Saldana knocks the role out of the park. What does she do other than be a grumpy bitch and a fighter? And has daddy Whoa. issues. And, like, Holy we're. Shit. Like and, and that's she just not like even, ruined her for Travis. <laughs> and that's she does this for every female character of prominence, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, much. that's not even talking about Guardians of the Galaxy's problem that all of the people of color are goddamn aliens. Yep. Like yeah. they're either completely painted over, they're aliens, they have weird features. Like, oh, Bradley Cooper is a CGI raccoon. Why is the white dude the one that gets to, you know, look like... I, it, it bothers me. It bothers me. Yeah, and Mantis? Do you see how oh. they butchered her? The Mantis, Mantis is so pissed about that still. Mantis is like a Lady Shiva level martial artist. Yes, like, she is. she is a bad bitch. You do not fuck with her. And now she's some pixie waifu airhead. Oh. I mean, mm. um, let's look at Valkyrie sarcastic bitch who's a fighter like <laughs> yeah and now she's queen of the Asgardians, which is great and i would i throw myself at tessa thompson i would tessa thompson <laughs> could do whatever she wants to me i love valkyrie as a character i still am unsure about i don't think she's brunhilda that that's a big thing is, is she brunhilda or is she no, not no because brunhilda pushed her out of the way in the flashback that's why i thought i justified yeah, I her being a different valkyrie 
they were they were totally boning. But um, and I have read Fearless Defenders and Brunhilda. No, duh, this is something else I'm angry about altogether. The women of the MCU are one fucking note characters. Look at fucking Wanda. Oh no, Vision is dead. I'm sad. Like, and I'm sure you know. I've seen a lot of people talk up WandaVision, and I'm sure it was a great show. I feel like I'm we need to wa- have a day. I know. I, I legitimately, Mary. I think we need to have a day where like you watch WandaVision and then we discuss it because like me and Travis have had our opinions in, in DMs. You like all three of us need to sit down and deconstruct it. Like I, I really do I'm think. Just- I think there's absolutely no goddamn reason in the world why they had to strip out her Jewish and Romani heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is wholly unnecessary. I think um, um, I don't. Other I know than it being a Disney thing. Travis. Yeah, and I I know he apologized <laughs> for it, and I do want to give him credit for the apology, but it does not change the fact that he did not say it. But Peter fucking David going off on a con goer about you know the Romani people would break the legs of their children, like what and, you know. There was a convention where Peter David went off on a con goer because I believe the con goer was uh, had Romani heritage and he was asking a question about it and Peter David was horrified talking about how he went to Romania or some you know something like that and saw that you know they broke the legs of their children to make them more effective beggars like oh. Travis I, can, I it's on YouTube I can send you the link and to is, his, it's bad. To his, disgustingly racist that's why (laughs) peter david is kind of like not good right now and i i will say that uh to his credit he has apologized and i'm not romani i'm not gonna like he has apologized to them um so i i always do try to point that out like i still have problems with james gunn for the comments that he made about uh, gay superheroes but he has yeah. apologized. He worked with Glad, but that doesn't change the fact that they didn't say it. And I don't think we should forget that. Oh yeah, no, definitely. No, not. you're absolutely fucking right. What do you? Shit. That's my that's my issue with Suicide Squad, and we'll get to that. But no, and I, so you know that's why I just I have a really hard time giving a fuck a Black Widow. So we're gonna go ahead and oh. move on from there. Um, I think a good breather. I think um, I'm gonna make these two knuckleheads sit down and have their own Godzilla versus Kong episode, probably to like to go out the same week as this episode. So okay, enjoy no, that. I need to gloat for half a second. Okay, okay, go for it, Travis. He whooped <laughs> Kong's ass. <laughs> yeah, Kong went. The Kong went zero for two in that one. <laughs> he went down like a, you know a, a king bows to a god. God damn it. <laughs> I was going to say out loud, you need to chill because that god got his ass whipped by a robot. Okay. <laughs> I think okay. my favorite part is when they're fighting Mecha Godzilla and Kong picks up the axe and Godzilla turns around and supercharges it. Yo, it was like right when right when Kong was losing the edge against Mecha Godzilla, Godzilla was like, you know, this just needs to be the fuck over after getting his. They literally had a scene, James, where it, it, it's the shot comes from inside a skyscraper, and you see Mecha Godzilla just holding Godzilla by the back of his head, destroying buildings by slamming oh. his fucking head into them. Wow. James, this was man. 
This was Man of Steel level destruction. He was Damn. beating the absolute fuck out of like real Godzilla, and as soon as Kong got into it, somehow Mecha Godzilla just wasn't that good of a fighter. They did this weird rock paper scissors thing, and Kong just kind of fucked him up until there was a point where he's like, "I need help." And Godzilla's like, "Oh, but to charge your axe." And then Kong's like, "That's like my Mario mushroom, so I win this fight now." Like, <laughs> I think. I think narratively it was a good way to do that. So, you know, you don't have a definitive winner. So that way, you know, yes, uh, Godzilla whooped Kong in a couple of different fights. Tails really seemed to be Kong's downfall. But um, <laughs> but you have um, Kong whoop the shit out of Mecha Godzilla, who just beat Godzilla. So, you know, it's an easy way to appease everybody. And the way God- that he was beating Godzilla, like immediately after Godzilla killed Kong, made that whole shit really sit different for me. You know what I mean? Because like Kong literally just got fucking defibrillated by pseudoscience, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just gets up and is like, "I'm gonna whoop your metal ass," and just destroys that dude. I do love the reference to the original film, where I think it's like part of a building or a ship when he stuffs it in Godzilla's mouth. Because yes. that is that's a callback to the first film where he stuffs a tree in Godzilla's mouth. Nice. <laughs> I I did love Millie Bobby Brown as a weird conspiracy theorist. <laughs> that's such an cool. interesting like like interesting sentence. Millie Bobby Brown being a conspiracy theorist. Oh, uh, I need to look up the actor's name so I can give him some chops. But have you seen Atlanta, James? Parts oh, of it? Bernie. <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> I love him. I fucking love Bernie. So that was like a very spoiler-filled rant by those two. Oh shit! (laughs) Whoops. The only thing I wanted from Godzilla versus Kong was the cinematic equivalent of six-year-old Mary banging action figures together and making fight noises, and that's exactly what it was. Right. It's like when I was telling James a second, like right before the show, I was like, "You don't watch giant wrote like giant monster fight movies for story." Like, no, that's not why yeah. we're here. Like, <laughs> no, if I'm watching, like, I, I love how it went kind of Pacific Rim there for a hot sec. But, like, no, because a lot of the reviews were talking about the fact that, oh, the human characters, they make stupid choices. Well, a fucking course they do. That's not why we're here. Like, because that was a big thing with King of the Monsters, that people didn't think the humans had workable motivations. And, you know, Vera Farmiga's motivation just did not exist. But I wanted to see Godzilla whoop the shit out of King Ghidorah. Like... Yeah, yeah big he- time. And so that's that's just, like, the thing that I don't understand. Like, look at Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim has no story. Like, it does, but it doesn't. It's like, here's the guy from Sons of Anarchy! And... A few other people from Sons of Anarchy. Here you go. Like it kind of, ha- it kind of has a deep plot, but then it just turns into Power Rangers. Like, like, like they really want you to give a fuck, and then it just turns into Power Rangers. See, I, I feel like it's even like at least Power Rangers is better structured than that. You know what I mean? Like, cause like you had the dude's brother. He like literally felt him die, and then Homie was like, "I'm gonna do yeah. the same thing that completely ruined my whole fucking existence." That just doesn't... Not that level of trauma. I fucking Idris, call bullshit. No. Idris Ilba gave the best movie speech since Independence Day. Yes. Yes. Canceling the apocalypse. We are canceling apocalypse. Yes. <laughs> okay, so... There's a the reason why was... Idris Ilba is my fallout husband. 
Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Whatever you have to like design your spouse in Fallout 4, I always make mine look like either Idris Ilbo or Daniel Dakim. <laughs> I'm not okay, having I'm, an I'm, unattractive child. I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> just gonna I'm, I'm just gonna like I, I learned a new fact about Mary today. <laughs> so, Idris Ilbo is pretty. He is pretty. He's very sexy. I, I will agree with the statement. I'm not refuting it. I just didn't know that you did that. So it's very funny. Um, so last topic of the evening is going to be more ranting. Um, like, like I said, uh, we'll probably get to Falcon and Winter Soldier in the next couple weeks. I want to like do a de- full decompress of that once the show wraps up. Um, we were going to talk about it a little bit, but we just don't have the time. Um, and also that like I, I I wanted to make sure they at least got their Kong and Godzilla rant because they kind of needed it. They were re- really insistent on it. Um, it but so no, good. so WB has announced that, or Warner Media in general has announced that they are going to be canceling the apocalypse. I mean, they are can't. Well, technically, they kind of. <laughs> Um, they are canceling. What's wrong with you? <laughs> they kind of are canceling the apocalypse when you when you think about it because they are they have canceled Ava DuVernay and Tom King's New Gods movie, which I'm gonna give the, that. I'm gonna give that a half a boo, but not a full boo. You know. Thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> and they're also canceling James Wan's The Trench Aquaman spinoff, which okay, that's fine. I didn't I think need you mean that. Cities underwater. Yes, I didn't. I didn't need that, but thank you. But what what bothers me more is the fact that you just canceled one of the most iconic and groundbreaking Black women's like DC Comics debut, and what was going to be your competition for Marvel's Eternals for no reason. There's yeah. not been a listed reason. And that's really dumb and really bad. Now, granted, apparently there's some insider thing that says the reason, like the main reason, is because of the fact that the Snyder Cut put in uh, Dark Side. So, it's not canon. And if anything, if you're really that upset that the Funko Pops are resembling the Snyder Cut, put that Dark Side and that grainy goodness and that Desaad in your freaking movie. Who cares? I, I mean, it's. It's clearly not a full studio break because Ava DuVernay is still heading up uh, Naomi's development for the CW. So it's not like she had a major falling out with Warner Brothers or I feel like they would have pulled her off of Naomi as well. But That show in general has my issues, but we'll talk about it on a different day. It's not any weirder than Powerpuff Girls. That man... I wish we had more I don't time, know. I forgot about that. I don't know who looks at live action reboots and goes, let's do the power like, like let's do the Powerpuff Girls. Like, like they pretty much casted like at like all three of the girls pretty accurately, but then you you cast you casted my boy from Scrubs as Professor Utonium, and now I'm just oh, like, yeah. like, I like that. I love that. I How you you got Professor Utonium was pulling any like like he was in the show without being, I don't know, funny. <laughs> do you guys like, do you guys remember him, the villain from Powerpuff Girls? Fuck yeah, yes. I remember him. Him was, him, so, him was glorious. Um, I, think, I think Victoria saw a post somebody saying that uh, little uh, little Nas X in his um, Call Me By Your Name outfits should be him. Yes! I'm so happy you said that because that's exactly what I thought when I saw that shit. <laughs> yes! 
That would be so <laughs> glorious. Like that like him as a gay icon. We all know this. So like him just, Oh yes. Him, the devil from Cow and Chicken, fucking uh Will Nas X now, like most definitely. <laughs> gay so, Satans run shit. So like I'm just I'm trying to understand why Warner Media has gone through with this. Because like yes, you yeah, AT&T. But, like, it just, it bugs me. Because, yes, you're kind of cutting your fat, and, like, there is the complication of the Snyder Cut, but that can be easily rectified. But why would you cut competition to Marvel when you need to be doing competition against Marvel? Why? I mean, honestly, I think we can all accurately point the finger at the Snyder Cut for this. I think... I think Warner Brothers, AT&T, HBO Max, whomever is in charge, I think that they expect the Snyder Cut to do okay, but I don't think they expected it to do as well as it did. Because, I mean, particularly with the four-hour runtime, people kind of attracted to that. They're like, how the fuck is this going to go for four, for four whole hours? And the response to the Snyder Cut in terms of quality has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. And the general response is, why the hell was this cut out kind of a thing? So, um, you know, I liked it. I still have my issues. We talked about this. But mm. I think that this, is, this could be a reaction to the success of the Snyder Cut. Because, you know, they censured Zack Snyder the one time they shouldn't have, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I'm wondering. I mean, if that's to- correct as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering oh, if. Well, because I mean, you know, Man of Steel functioned as well as it was going to. They meddled very heavily with BVS to the point that this is the second time Warner Brothers has had to release a special edition for one of his films, and he's only made three. Yeah, that's true. Because they fucked with BVS so much that they had to release the Ultimate Edition, which is a far better film in comparison. And then they had to release the Snyder cut, which is twice the length of, you know, the theatrical cut of justice league because they fired him after he lost his daughter. And that is, you know, like reprehensible. Yeah. Right. And like when you can, when you consider like that on top of how badly they fucked his vision, like bro, Warner brothers just needs to give him a bat credit card and call it a day. (laughs) But I think that they fucked themselves into a corner by censoring Snyder, and then he finally gets to do his dark side stuff, and people are impressed and want to see more of it, and then we lose Ava fucking DuVernay. Of all the people, you got rid of Ava DuVernay. Why? I mean, you know, DC had Patty, Kathy Yan, and Ava DuVernay. That is top tier talent right there. You done goofed. And you got rid of arguably the most talented of the three. And I don't fucking get it. Give her another movie. Like, you know, I know we've got the chick that uh, directed, um, oh my God. Uh, That that was with the lady who kills people. My brain wants to say single white female, but I know that that is not the right movie. I don't know. But, you know, we've got that lady directing Zatanna. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, how many... You get rid of the most famous black woman director in Hollywood. 
you I'm sorry, can, you tell, can you tell I'm PMSing? Like, I'm all no, over the place. Honestly, you're not. It doesn't even come off like that. You're doing very well. Like, this is the <laughs> best we've been in a hot minute. I kind of dig it. Like, we're, 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 we're angry. We're ranting. It's because we care. It's like, we want to see DC. We want to see Marvel. And we're going to start doing more indie episodes because we want to see good comics. We want to see good comic media. That's the entire point of the show. That's why it was founded, was to see good comic media and to talk about it. So, like, no, nah, you are great, honey. Don't you ever get it twisted. So, I, I, I'm just offended that I have spent, if you calculate everything I have spent from childhood to, you know, 29, um, what probably accounts to tens of thousands of dollars on comic books and memorabilia and t-shirts. I'm offended that they're so shitty right now. Like, I have spent way too much money. You know, I, I don't think it's just them being shitty. It's, I think it's that they're so shamelessly shitty. Well, That's this is what happens when you, when you pass all of the comics between the same five people. Marvel does it. DC does it. Fucking Image does it. Where it's the same five goddamn people who write everything. Well, more eyes on your contracts makes them more vulnerable. So, I mean, it makes sense. <clears throat> business speaking, but it really makes the whole continuity of everyone's, like, of all of it, suffer big time. Because, yeah. I mean, at Marvel right now, you have Al Ewing, Jason Aaron, and Donnie Cates, and they're writing pretty much any book of consequence. Like, any and book that I... They honestly need to get Cates, like, Cates needs to be kept away from anything Asgard for the rest of his career. Are you really not digging it? I thought you were digging it. I, I, I was digging it for a bit, but at the same time, I'm like, man, what about all this other... It, it's The way that he's shaking up a lot of established shit is kind of fucking with me. Maybe I just need to wait for his vision to finish, but... Sounds like me with Tiger Watsidi, but what are you going to do? <laughs> hey, man, y- y'all heard me rant about it. I think, like... like my, my, no, my Ragnarok was ass. <laughs> Rock- Ragnarok was fucking ass. Like, like, like I, I will be the one to always say that, like, I understand that the casual fans love the, like, the funniness, the Guardians of the Galaxy nonsense, and, like, the tone is cool, but the minute Hella walked in and killed the Warriors 3 was the minute I checked out. Like, yes, Thor 1 was a mess. Kat Dennings has her fans, but she ain't for me. Thor 2 is a, is, is a better mess, but it's still a mess. But at Thank least you. you. Hello. Hello. Walking in and killing the Warriors three is when Mary passed out with how fucking hot Kate Blanchett is. <laughs> with her hair is down and that thick island. No, Kate Blanchett is hot, and I will not hear any. There was there is no Ragnarok slander because there's a bunch we of hot. Not, we will not slander. We're, we're, we're not hot. slandering Kate Blanchett because Kate Blanchett, Tessa than- Thompson, like hot. Yeah, no, no, like they're great, and I, I, like you're valid. I, like Kate Blanchett, my only beef with her was her just being a daughter of Odin and not Loki's daughter or whatever the fuck that was. Well, I can move they, past that. I can move past that. My big she problem was like the was, older sister that whoops their ass. Like that was right? exactly like like that was cool. <laughs> but a that's Hella's job. <laughs> it's Angela's origin. Yeah, like they literally gave her Angela's origin for no reason. But my beef with it is Taika Waititi went, hey, everybody finds Asgard boring. Let's just nuke Asgard. What? You know what had me fucking about Taika Waititi? Was that he took one of the most heartfelt moments of anything Hulk-related and then just 
shit on it with big fire jokes. Yes. Or yes. when Valkyrie is walking down the Bifrost Bridge, and it is such a cool fucking scene, and then we have to have somebody splat on it. Yep. I liked Ragnarok. I thought it was a lot of fun, but I think that they took the humor a little too far. You right. We're hanging in chains in front of Surtur. We're spinning around. Oh, it's like have some respect for the, for Surtur, please. Like, like come on. I mean, that entire movie I mean, just felt like of, a fucking joke. All of the Thor movies make my Swedish heritage blood boil. Because I mean, Kenneth Branagh, he did the first Thor movie, didn't he? I believe so. I mean, the first Thor movie, it's a Shakespearean comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, Thor the Dark World was a thing that happened. Indeed. Can you <laughs> it was believe... a thing that happened? <laughs> Can you believe... It's a bit of a mess. The original, the original director for that film was Patty Goddamn Jenkins. Huh? Yes. Patty oh, Jenkins, Travis, you didn't hear about that? No. Patty Jenkins. Patty, Patty Jenkins was originally tapped to direct Thor The Dark World. She was Natalie Portman's hand pick for it. Um, but then there was some kind of disagreement in the creative process and Patty Jenkins was fired off the film. She was then offered to direct Wonder Woman multiple times and she refused it multiple times before finally agreeing. The story slash urban legend that I have heard is that Zack Snyder called her personally and begged her to direct it. So, well, but yeah, thank you again, Patty, Zach. <laughs> Patty Goddamn Jenkins was the original director for Thor: The Dark World, and Patty's firing off of Thor: The Dark World is what you know was believed to have been the thing that finally just pissed Natalie Portman off to no end. That's that why someone. At, that's why someone at, at Disney had to cut her a big fucking check to come back Sacrifice. for this for this next movie. I mean, big like, fucking... I'll give you the hammer! Alright, can I get jacked? Yeah, you, you can get jacked, too. Alright. <laughs> Goes into negotiations, flips the table, bring Patty back! <laughs> Rude. Sorry. Buff Natalie Portman does things to me. <laughs> Natalie Portman in general does things to me. Oh my god. Okay. There needs to be an episode where Travis and I literally just list all the women we think are hot. I'm hey, down for that. <laughs> there you go. I'm not opposed to it. Y'all can have fun. I already, I already greenlit Mary and do whatever, whatever the fuck she wants when I'm not here. So, like, Travis, <laughs> if you need some episodes, do what you want. I don't care. Um, so, you know, that was episode 50, 55 of Panel to Panel, folks. Thank you for tuning in to this amazing episode. We've ranted. We've screamed. We've bitched. We've moaned. But we've also had some fun times laughing, and as we always do. Don't forget that you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Pandora, Amazon Music, and Audible, all those great places. I might even see about seeing if we can get like a, a Audible affiliate link or something like that that, would, that that can help with that. That'd be kind of cool if we could do that kind of thing. Um, but in general... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, when I did the episode with Cat, I remembered to shit on SoundCloud for you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. We don't support SoundCloud here. Fuck SoundCloud. I, I forgot my own fucking joke. And your favorite um, rapper. Jesus. Um, what, do people, what do people use SoundCloud for? Is it like 
so, and then like mixing and yeah, because up, right. until, up, until, up until podcast became a thing for SoundCloud, SoundCloud was primarily used as the underground, not your mama's Napster. Like you came here to put your beats, put your under like like, like your mixtapes and whatnot on there. But now SoundCloud is trying to be multimedia oriented, having mixtapes, rap, like raps, um, full on albums sometimes, or even just podcasting. So that's their entire pitch. But but as we've talked about is like well, SoundCloud is the one place where they they will not allow you to just submit your RSS feed. They want you to pay to continuously upload your content to their platform. And I refuse Excuse to do that me? because yes. So they, they want, want you to pay to upload a shitload of stuff. Yeah. They want they want you to pay per month, like for, for the size and for the per episode. Versus the service we use, and I will shout them out. Transistor.fm is an amazing service that literally you pay twenty bucks a month for unlimited podcasts and unlimited episodes and unlimited size. I we can do a two hour show like how we did for for Snyder Cut, and it not cost us a damn dime, like extra. So I will continue to use my RSS feed service, and I will go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, all these great places, and hey, just submit it. And I don't give a fuck. And SoundCloud can suck my dick. And that's the end of that rant. Um, but yes, you can find us there, all those great places. You can follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at On Comics Ground. And you can check us out at on comics ground.com for all of our reviews, previews, solicitations, uh, all those great places that we do things there. And if you want to join the website, you can check out our Twitter. We have a great link about that where you can email us at contact at on-comics-ground.com to come join the team if you want to join the team. We are looking for amazing, diverse voices that want to join our team, so please come check us out. Um, I think that's it. Uh, Travis, what is your closing statement for episode 55 of Panel to Panel? I mean, it's a little more than a statement. It's kind of a rant, but DC, please, for the love of fuck, stop letting people choose between diverse characters and representation and the same bullshit you always give us we're tired (laughs) we are tired of you literally and this is a terrible pun but literally putting your dick in our faces to gaslight us away (laughs) from inclusion that's one way to put that statement but okay um mary what is your closing statement for episode 55 both panel to panel uh, I ranted a lot. You're valid. Don't worry I, about I that. We talked about I think this. that's what I appreciate about the atmosphere the three of us has created. Have created, excuse me, I know how to use grammar. Because, you know, there aren't really a lot of spaces where, you know, women can just kind of go off about this kind of crap. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, one of the things I really love about the space that we've created here is that, you know, James and I can go off on queer issues. I can go off on lady issues. You and Travis, you know, James and Travis can go off on black issues. And at no point do I think any of the three of us ever feel judged for wanting to talk about these things. Hell no. Because when I've, you know, I'm going to do a little side tangent here. When I've talked about the fact to, you know, some friends who don't really read comics a lot or understand the culture in depth, I say, well, I do a comic podcast with two guys. And they're like, that must be awful for you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> because really I actually, cool. 
I actually picked up a couple listeners one time because I made an offhanded reference, Travis, when you were reading Simone de Bouvier. Nice. Fuck yeah. Because I mentioned, I said, oh yeah, you know, Travis, one of my co-hosts is reading, because uh, I was referencing that uh, we did that episode and you mentioned that you read de Bouvier and someone's like, what? A man is reading de Bouvier in 20 ever? So Bro, she's a fucking genius. I don't know why other people don't read her. Like, I get that she like talks... She's like the most hyper feminist shit I've ever read, but it all is so it's so well written and intelligent and in a way that like even if you're a dude, you're like, well, fuck, here's my new reality. I've awakened. Why do my eyes hurt? I've never used them before. All right. <laughs> but like I've, you know, even just talking to people, I know for a fact that we've picked up uh, listeners because of the culture that we've created here uh, my mom has a gay black co-worker and my mom mentioned the podcast to him because he was just getting into comic books and he said wait what and so now he listens to our show so hey dude say hi to my mom What's for up? me How you doing? What up? so like I, I just, you know, that I just wanted to go off on a mini rant. Like, I'm, I'm definitely PMSing. I'm shoving M and M's into my mouth and like drunk white girl crying about it. <laughs> You're valid. I, so. Like, that's the one thing I love about the show is the fact that like I'm sitting here like drinking my ale, having a good time. Like, we've created a podcast that I always wanted when Panel to Panel was first founded. I, like, it was literally a bunch of dumbass dudes who were fresh out of college being stupid. And it's become what I originally have wanted it to be is an intelligent conversation about why we need more in comics. We sit here, we rant, we actually give our opinion and not just BS about it. Like we BS, but we don't like sit here and go, oh, we hate Snyder, man and man. Like, no, we actually give constructive criticism about the Snyder cut. We actually give a fuck. We sat here and, and I mean, ranted it, about how. For any longtime listeners, they'll hear us talk shit about the release of the Snyder Cut people, and then as it got more traction, we were like, hold up, this is fucking real, right? hold on. Like, there was that whole episode where I was like, yo, I literally could give a fuck, and you two were like, now hold on, and I'm like, okay. Like, we've had growth, we've had, like, like, like guests on that actually give a crap. I was able to, like, to do a show about, like, with a, a comic creator talking about a, the gay version of Martian Manhunter being published at Dark Horse. Like, a lot of people don't give a fuck about that, but I give why a fuck it, about that. Why isn't Martian Manhunter gay anyway, like, right now? That would be glorious. Honestly, honestly. I feel like that would actually make a lot of sense. Yeah, that would be kind of glorious. So, like, so it's just like we have created the show that I've always wanted, and we're gonna continue to do this show until the, until we just can't do it anymore. Like, I'm going to keep pump, like pumping money into this, and we're gonna keep having fucking fun, whether y'all bitches like it or not. Even if we have five listeners, we're gonna keep fucking going. So, <laughs> at the end of the day, we get to bitch about comments with our friends. Exactly. <laughs> so. And I guess I guess it's like pretty much like the the encompassing of my closing statement, which is oh as always support your local comic book shop, um, DC. We want better. Um, I don't know that might be that that might be the title of this episode is we want better. Because, DC, please take away. Because it's like Marvel. I hope you ain't fucking up your business, DC. I want you, like you and Marvel just to do better in general. Um, I don't really want a Black Widow movie, but fuck it. I'll still watch it for the laugh because I get to see fucking Lawrence, uh, like Florence Pugh kick ass and I get to see Taskmaster get like manhandle hugged by a random old guy, which made me really if uncomfortable. Did, like I'm in it for Florence Pugh and Rachel Weiss more than I am for Scarlett Johansson. Yes. 
So like that's pretty much where and also um, it's gonna be interesting to see how they spin this into the rest of the franchise. Like there's rumors and whatnot about how they're gonna do it, so whatever. Um but no, so thank you folks so much for tuning in this episode of Panel to Panel. We will catch you folks next time. Peace out. <laughs>